0: What is the most used man-made material on earth? You guessed right, it's concrete. Look around. It's everywhere. Sidewalks, driveways, foundations, floors you stand on, and even entire buildings are made out of concrete. So why don't we discuss it more? In each episode of Concrete Logic, we will explore one concrete-related topic with the help from industry professionals that are shaping the future of the trade. We'll talk with suppliers, contractors, architects, engineers, specialists, and even some proponents of competing materials about their views of concrete and their vision of its future. Welcome to another episode of the Concrete Logic Podcast, and today I have Alex Hall with Concrete AI. Alex, could you share a little bit about yourself and your company?
1: Yeah, so Alex Hall. Um, I'm the CEO of Concrete AI. It's a it's a startup. Um, the, the business has officially been going for around 18 months. Um, I've been here in the seat since uh, September of last year. Um, the uh, The idea I actually generated from um, a professor, two professors um, at the University of California in Los Angeles. Um. At that time, I was working for one of the big cement companies, Holcim, uh, and I was actually in a role where I was uh, in charge of their ready mix performance group. So, you know, within that, I was looking at all of our, our ready mix plants across the US and and looking for different opportunities to you know figure out how we can enhance concrete. Um, yeah, that was about five six years ago when that happened, and um, I bought a uh, I bought what these guys at the university were doing to the attention of our CEO at that time. And he was super interested and, and said, look, go, go and figure out what's going on. See if there's anything there for us. Um, there was, there was very clearly some opportunity for us, but uh, I, at that stage, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, I, I left, uh, I left wholesome and, and went and ended up working for a construction company. Um, the owner of that company was, super interested in what we were doing as well. So he ended up sponsoring um, uh, part of uh, what was a consortium at UCLA that we we remained involved with until uh, basically just towards the end of COVID. Um, And I kept my association with the university as a consequence through that. Um, Fundamentally, what these guys were looking to do was thinking of concrete, kind of like a cake mix make us real simple for the folks who don't understand how how concrete and concrete design works but is there a way that we can use artificial intelligence and and specifically machine learning to take those ingredients of that cake and either make it as cost effective as possible Uh, that was the original kind of focus Uh, and then as times you know moved on some things have become more of a focus for end users uh, and so we can actually say, how do we use artificial intelligence to make this concrete the, the same concrete we were looking for from a performance perspective? So same compressor strength at 1, three, seven, 14, 28 days, same slump, same amount of air and train. So all the engineering characteristics are the same. But how can we maybe look at those ingredients a little differently and combine them in a, in a way to either make it cheaper or have it with less CO2? So, so that's the fundamental premise of, of what the business is all about. Um, you know, in my time that I wasn't working directly with them, the, the guys at UCLA did a lot of uh, work, uh, got uh, funding from the DOT, from the Department of Energy, and and worked really hard in in, in turning this into a product. And, um, yes, yeah, so, and so since I've come on board, what we've basically done is we've license the technology from the university. So we have a, a license to use the, the technology and we've now moved on into turning this into a product so that it's actually now what we have is a, is a, is a software product where a ready mix producer um, has got tons and tons of data. So think about all the millions of batch tickets and, and various data points that they have. And what we allow them to do is to use our interfaces to connect back into their data and then ultimately give them the power over their own own data, all the different test results, all the different uh, physical chemical properties and ingredients of of the raw materials um, and use that data to figure out how to reformulate the concrete.
0: Yeah. So many questions within that, Um, uh, Alex. uh, So uh, first off, if we could take a step back, for folks that don't that, like myself i i know just enough about artificial intelligence to be dangerous uh i think what 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 the movie terminator that was skynet or something like that and, and i think uh there's a lot of fear mongering out there uh i guess there's really two sides and that's uh obvi- um, there's a lot of this going on in the world over all spectrums of life right now but there's there seems to be two sides to artificial intelligence. There's there's the side that says they're totally gun ho about it. This is the future. This is going to uh, solve a lot of problems. And then there's the other side saying, "Hey, uh, there's we're going to create these robots that are going to take over human civilization, and, and uh, we're all going to be screwed." So, could you share a little bit about because you're coming from the, uh, the 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 material side? what it sounds like was majority of your career so i'm sure um until you saw the technology and what it was doing i'm sure you had your thoughts on what artificial intelligence is could you just talk about how you learned about what it is and kind of explain what it is and your i guess you're uh you know how you got to today where you're obviously you're a pro- proponent of this software
1: yeah so. I think one of the most important things, and I think you, you identified it, is uh, you got to know what you don't know, right? So so I, I was fortunate in my previous uh, role that um, as long as you were inquisitive, the guy that we worked for was uh, he, he also wanted to know more. So he actually ended up sending me off to MIT, and, and I spent a couple of weeks there on a on a on a program finding out all about ai and what it's all about what it's different applications are. i think what people you know everyone kind of thinks you hear the term ai and you you bucket it and and what you actually got to do is you got to unbucket it because there are multiple different kinds of artificial intelligence so think of things like 3d printing right that whole robotics arm is one form of artificial intelligence you then have things like Siri, right? So that that's another kind, and that's all like natural language programming. It's a different bucket. You then have things like you know, Google Maps and and all various different types of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is around us twenty four seven today, whether people like it or not. It's there. Um, I think what you've got to really be aware of is is you know as a human, how, how do we engage with this artificial intelligence and Certainly for the short term, how do we use it to our benefit? Um, you know, at, at some point, yes, it's, it's absolutely going to have a, a detrimental impact on some people's lives. Uh, there's some jobs that are probably going to go away from it. But the way we look at it, um, you know, one thing artificial intelligence does, and certainly the branch that we're involved in. So so we're involved in a, bra- a branch that's that's known as machine learning, um, and, and we actually – if you really wanna start getting technical, we, we deal with things called neural networks and neural networks are fundamentally it's it's linear algebra. And I'm gonna stop there. I don't wanna go further into that kind of detail. What, what we think though, what's really important is to understand that in our world, the artificial intelligence can bring huge value in, in processing. So So just crunching numbers, Doing multiple, multiple transactions and doing calculations. But concrete is a unique product because it's placed at a certain day and a certain time. And there are going to be certain elements that we need to be aware of that the artificial intelligence may not be aware of. So for us, it's really important to think about the incredibly important component that a human being brings to the discussion, and that's judgment. Now, AI doesn't have judgment. It 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 makes a whole lot of permutations and and will say, hey, this is what I think the best case scenario is. But in in reality, we know that you know when clients have given us a mixed design to go and optimize. And let's say for example, it's a you know someone wants a really high early strength concrete, so they want uh, you know it's a let's say eight thousand psi, twenty eight days, but they really want three thousand or twenty five hundred psi within twenty four hours, right? Uh, and we go to the AI and we give it all these parameters. And so, right, go ahead and optimize it um, and optimize it for cost. The AI will give you a number, but then if I'm a designer and I look at it, I go, you know, really, I, I'm I'm really uncomfortable having less than 50% OPC because I know how critically important it is to get to that 2,500 PSI um, within 24 hours. As an example, right? So, so this is where we go a little bit different. We actually allow the human to come back and make certain adjustments and constraint controls, so they can actually then say, "Oh, you know." Also, by the way, I'm in Chicago. I'm I'm, I'm really worried that uh, in 24 hours' time, it's going to be super cold. It's going to have an impact on the on, on the set rate. How do I make that adjustment over and above what the artificial intelligence has done, and take those kind of things into account? Um, are we going to get AI that knows what the weather's like in twenty-four hours? Yeah, absolutely. These kind of things happen. But but for right now, today, what we got to do is we got to give the human being the ability to influence things by applying their own judgment. So I, I I'm I'm a proponent of AI. Absolutely. I think um, beyond what we're seeing with you know where the self-driving cars can go, I think. I, you know I was, I, was, I was heavily involved in health and safety in, in my previous companies as well and um, I think the evidence is there that the, 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 the benefit of having an a autonomous driving car where you have, even in the presence of humans is undeniably better from a safety perspective. it's out it's, it's, it's there for everyone to see Are, are incidents going to happen? Are mistakes going to happen? Absolutely, but they'll probably happen at a way lower rate than a human. And um, you know, you don't see too many uh, drunk drivers uh, that are the form of autonomous vehicles. That that just doesn't exist. May they have a bug? Yeah, for sure, sure. These things can happen, but I, I, I think relative to the risk that that humans in the same situation would pose, um, not too much. So, uh, could something go wrong? Sure, absolutely. Is it perfect? Absolutely not, but. Is it better than
0: if we have? I, I, I think it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so to create this software, did uh, I'm, I'm just guessing here? Uh, sure. But did you did you all take, like uh, you were sharing uh, before we hit record, was a bunch of batch tickets? Um, uh, think about how many of those are throughout the country. And, you yeah. know, so did you take, like, to create this thing and it, I understand you can only share so much but it is is uh, you, you essentially have a mixed design and then there's a uh kind of a probability of what that that performance is on the other side of things and that's what's inside the software and it's it's in there uh you know in- infinite infinite amount of times in there you know way yeah. way more data than uh human can comprehend right that's the the basis of it
1: yeah so so there's, there's two things right you, you've you've got to differentiate the software which is what we interface with you and i like even the software we're using right now in this video chat, its own kind of software right but then then there are the models and the models are you know where the magic happens and th- those are basically algorithms that that sit in a series of servers and it's where all the processing of the data happens so we use the software to tell the algorithms, hey, this is what we want, and then we send that information down to them, and they go process it. To actually answer your question, um, you know, we, we've we got probably close to 800,000 unique different data points. And then when we talk about data points, we, we it's actually a whole lot of different data points. It's mixed design A. Let's say there's six to ten different raw materials in there. So, you know, cement, sand, aggregate, all the different chemical admixtures. And then there's a couple of layers of data within that. So now we also need to understand chemical and physical properties of the cement, right? So we get all the various ASTM, like the C-150 report around the the cement. So think of a cement. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, like a cement mill certificate and all the information that's contained in that, right? So there's more layers of data that's beyond just the cement and the type of cement we're using, all the physical chemical properties as well. Same, same thing we look at on the aggregate. So on the aggregate, we look at a thing called the C33. Um, and the C33 race basically is giving us an indication for that specific product, these are all the different gradations that we can expect, okay, and, and uh, actual representative sample of the product. Um, what's important is that these things change, right? We, we, these are raw materials, so you you can be mining a quarry and literally move 25 yards to the right, and there little there's a little difference in terms of the setup. You know, who knows? Maybe the, the maybe the jaws are a little bit out of alignment, and there, there's it becomes a little bit more flaky. How do you take these things into account? And that's that's why for us it's it's really important that we can keep on feeding new data into the models. And on the basis of the new models, the new data start getting better predictions. Um, yeah, so, so so just the, the way you gotta kind of think about it, it's got layers and layers and layers of data that we can then reference against previous performance. Um, and so how it works with us is when a client gives us a mixed design to optimize, they say, these are all the raw materials I have available at my plant, this is the current design I'm using to generate this output. Uh, we then go ahead, use our software to interface with the algorithm, do the optimization, kick them back, a new design configuration. We then predict what that's going to do. Again, from an a engineering perspective, what compressive strength is it going to get to? At, you know, 1, 3, 7, 14, 28, 56, 90 days. Uh, we predict what the slump is going to be, we predict uh, what part diameter we can actually pump this thing through, and then also how much air is going to be entrained in this mix. So, so all those kind of parameters, uh, flexural strength, that's another one we can give it. And, and then on the basis of that, we say, right, let's let's go do a, a lab test. And we, we then go ahead, they go and make that same mix in the lab, uh, do the normal slump testing, and then... We'll do breaks at whatever time period they're looking to do, and then, you know, within 30 days we can go and do the same thing and trial at a plant and um, being really happy with the results. We've we've completed uh, multiple. We, we onto our fourth pilot with uh, clients at the moment. Um, at this point in time, we we actually have uh, commercial agreements in place with uh, multiple different kinds of parties. Some people are property developers, other people are actually ready mix companies and they're starting to deploy the technology and and, and and put it into production. So so we back up what we say, right? If, if, if we want people to make sure that they're happy with the quality of the concrete that's going out there in the first place and at the same time meeting their expectations, whether it's on a, a, a cost saving perspective or a CO2 reduction perspective, all yeah, both. Okay,
0: yeah, so you got a mix of of, of clients it sounds like so you said developers and ready mix mm-hmm. suppliers uh it, any like yeah. uh, structural engineers in there as well or are you no no
1: no, no that, that, that's a tough one. look at the end of the day we're a business right we got to pay for mm-hmm. ourselves so we also get to figure out like what does that model look like for you know how, how we stay in business yeah. and uh, yeah it, it's it's tough uh obviously we work with a lot of structural engineers they they're, they're, they're the people that have to look at it and approve the product at the end of the day. And, and certainly for our clients that are property developers, a lot of them have, well, the ones we work with have in-house engineering capability. So we work with those folks in, in those roles directly.
0: I gotcha. So it just popped in my head. Is this a replacement for a structural engineer?
1: No, again, because this is the important part about what we do, right? We, we, we don't look at this as, you know, the, the way you got to think about this is, uh, I'm, I'm going to steal a phrase here, but it's algorithmic business thinking. You you bring the algorithm in, but you've got to let the human apply the judgment. AI, is, AI will give you a prediction and a probability, but it can't provide judgment. Judgment is a unique human characteristic that AI, to some extent, will have, I mean – but it's still something that you need a human with a human's unique experience. And honestly, a human's unique purview. I mean, you, you got quality control people that have been doing this job for decades that, you know, a, they know what's going to happen in two, three weeks time. Oh, guess what? Uh, are dot they're going to go and start icing the roads, right? Or de icing the road. What what do we have to think about then? Because that's not the same concrete that I poured six weeks ago. Right? You know, we got we got to figure out what that's going to look mm-hmm. like when when those kind of
0: things. Right. Yeah, I was thinking because kind of uh, what goes on now is uh, a concrete contractor will call into a to a ready mix supplier to a dispatcher and say this is what this is the mix design I want, and then they'll they'll do what they think is right based on what's the weather, or wh- where they're pouring, like you, you shared before, uh, if they're pumping the concrete, you know, that, that superintendent that calls in to the, uh, ready mix supplier, he's making all those dec- decisions, uh, you know, typically, uh, the day before a pour. Um, so it, if you had, uh, a, a software that, uh, I guess could, you know, put the, um the the current conditions um you know in in that if you could put the current conditions in that software and it could automatically just tell you what you you know this is the solution uh that just that just makes a whole lot of sense that takes the the human uh error out of the equation as long as they're putting in the right you know uh the right conditions, you know what what they're actually doing. So that they got to say, "Hey, the sun is shining, the wind is blowing this much." Um, I'm pumping through a uh, you know six inch hose, five inch hose, whatever it is, and as long as all that data goes in there correctly, I'm thinking this is uh, the the machine or the the software tells you, "Hey, this is the this is the ideal mix design based on." Um, what you have and uh, uh before we go further i'm assuming uh the your your the the processes of getting uh, approved submittals and everything uh that point that that still remains all the same you're just dealing with the yeah
1: yeah absolutely has to and, and, and again so you know this is it's new software so, so the one thing we keep on doing is our soft team our software team keeps on working on, on adding these kind of features so like when you've got to have a submittal and you've got to make a submittal uh, you want to make sure that's presented to an engineer in a way they can digest it and then you know many times you know what what they kind of getting used to now in some cases is the, is the fact that there is this prediction capability you know that uh, fundamentally at the end of the day the, the the, the underlying models are all mathematically derived bases, right? So this is something that appeals to engineers typically because you can demonstrate the science behind an output. You know, the, the, the one reality, though, and, and you know, think about why we have overdesign, is because we make mixed designs in a kind of a sterile environment with not too many exterior effects. So why they have the, you know, the 1,200 psi overdesign is because you don't know what conditions you're going to be coming up with uh, no matter what the operating environment. So again, that's the one thing we don't want to mess with. We include it. We, we're not taking the risk out of it. We want to keep that risk factor in there. So we we still maintain the overdesign characteristic within the concrete. But even doing so, there, there's a lot of opportunity to to get a lot a lot better at these things. I mean, you know, concrete mix design historically has been experimental. People, will, I'm going to try this mix here, and then. 28 days later, this is what I get. And if and if it meets the criteria, okay, great, move on. We we've achieved it. But kind of stops there because it's a it's a, it's an expensive process. I mean, you know, just to put together one mix design and go and test it. By the time all is said and done, if you take into account, you know, the quality control technician that's gonna made it, the, the the getting the materials to a site, the the time it takes to mix and cure all these things, you know, mix design on its own. Probably somewhere in the region, depending on how big your operation is and how many you're putting through, uh, it's probably around four four hundred to six hundred bucks every time you want to go and do that. And that's being super conservative. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, it's uh, it's a lot. It's a uh, it's a lot to uh, data to deal with. I, I don't think people r- truly appreciate uh, the day in day out of ready mix suppliers and concrete contractors what they but, go through and the and. It's, and uh, all the material, uh, suppliers. I mean, when things go, when things go sideways on a job, uh, everyone gets pulled in and it's, it's, I, I think I used this term before, but it's basically a witch hunt on who's to blame when things go bad. And, uh, that's, that's, uh, kind of the reason why things are over-designed, right? Cause the engineers are like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to be part of that. Um, and don't want to be part of some, uh, you know, so, god forbid something catastrophic happens because of uh, poor mixed designs i mean in the past people have been killed because of uh you know uh, not necessarily poor design but just uh, poor processes and procedures and doing concrete but uh like um what really appeals to me alex of uh, what you guys are doing is uh the the making sure that we are putting uh local um data into this uh software um, that that kind of information versus uh um um doing a blanket across uh, i guess yeah. yeah 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 so you know if i'm pouring concrete in and uh Virginia Beach uh Virginia it, it's totally different than pouring in uh LA right <laughs> it's you're you're using that's totally that's different so types of materials, so it drives me crazy when i hear people uh in our and just in our in our country um say that hey this is the solution for everyone across the country doesn't matter where you're at what climate it is uh what time of day it is this is this is the end all <laughs> this is the end all solution and i'm like no,
1: absolutely, yeah. dream on yeah. dream on i mean the, the reality of uh, so think about concrete concrete's the most consumed product in the world after water right but every single ingredient in concrete <clears throat> is effectively a commodity. Uh, the, the cement producers never want to hear that their, that their product's a commodity. But really, I mean, it is. At the end of the day, you know, pound for PSI, there's not much difference between a class one from producer A and, and producer B. right? It, it's the same thing. The only thing that differentiates them ultimately is how much it costs to produce. Uh, and you know, a, a mega plant that's doing four million tons of clinker is definitely going to be a lot cheaper than one that's only doing 300,000 tons of clinker. A year, right? so, so that cost differential and then, and then the cost of distribution. these are commodities. I mean th- think of aggregate right and then just use a round number. Um, 30 bucks a ton is probably typical from what we've seen delivered. what product on this planet costs 30 bucks a ton? I mean, it's 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 ludicrous, right? The, I, I've had the benefit of running uh, aggregate operations in South Africa and here, yeah, and, and I know how much work goes into doing that. And, and it, I find it really tough to believe uh, that we're only paying thirty bucks a ton for that material. I mean, you you've, you've got to you got to get it out of the ground. So typically, you're using chemical energy to blow that up, you then got to put it into 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 a dump truck, take it to a primary crusher. That's you know, yeah. You know, you've probably got, you know, 100 amp circuit breakers minimum on, on, on the smallest ones. I mean, there's so much energy and processing and capital that goes into it. But, you know, we sell enough volume to, to make it up. And so when you look at concrete, every single one of those uh, materials, and obviously the chemical admixtures are a tiny component of that, so maybe not so much of a, a commodity. But these things are local. These are all local, locally sourced from the local market. Um, that's just the reality. And you know, think about concrete. The concrete producer, the worst thing they can ever have, right, is a stockout. They've got uh, a C33 sand, they meet the DOT spec, and all of a sudden they can't get it. So you know, it's not that the sand and gravel producers want to do that. You know, these things happen. Plants go down, and people are like living on the on the edge in terms of supplying materials. So again, one of the challenges is you know, what happens when I don't have that, and you know. I can't wait another 33 days to go and figure out what that mix design mm-hmm. looks like. But if you've got enough of that data of the relevant products, you can actually use your own data from the from the material supplier and apply it to this kind of technology and get a solution relatively quickly that you know is gonna, you know, be damn close to satisfying exactly what you need. It might be a, a couple of bucks more expensive and yeah, that that's that's a price you're gonna to have to pay. But you're not gonna to have to wait thirty two days to go on and make a new mix design. You can you can be real close and add an additional factor of safety and, and at least keep your customer at the end of the day happy. Because at the end of the day, that's construction, right? Time, value, and money, man. Get that building up, get it up quick, because the quicker that building's up, the quicker it's got tenants in and the quicker it starts generating a return for the
0: yeah so it sounds like basically you you're trying to optimize what what uh, resources are available to you know that particular project and doing so i imagine and, and you, it mentions you on your website but that the uh, the our favorite topic on this podcast recently is talking about co2 so i i'm i'm sure it you know just optimizing a mixed design you're reducing the 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 CO two be it uh, reducing the amount of cement or the other materials that are they're shipped to the which people seem to forget that everything that's sent to ready mix supplier is on a truck and that truck is uh, running on diesel and diesel emits CO two sure. but uh, but we're not tracking that but anyways. Um,
1: no, we are. We actually. We yeah, actually I'm are. sure
0: you guys are, but I'm saying I'm. Actually, I'm generalizing. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm generalizing. Yeah. I, I just I, I feel I feel terrible for our cement folks out there. That I feel like they're getting picked on, and and uh, uh, there there's just so many new nu- nuances yeah. to concrete. There's other things out there, and uh, and even other building materials yeah. that we seem to just overlook, and uh, we just concentrate on 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 the cement.
1: But, but uh it, 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 but 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 Seth, you know you say that, but it's it's real right like if if it, it, it I don't think it's something we have we have to avoid this is a conversation that cement producers are mature enough that they have mm-hmm. to face w- w- when you look at all those ingredients right you, you look at a ton of cement and and if we just use the PCA numbers right now, Pca will say that for every ton of cement we produce, I think that I think the number they use right now is I've got to talk metric because, unfortunately, the, the whole climate economy is all in metric units. But for every ton of cement you produce, so two thousand two hundred and six pounds, one ton thousand kilograms, they say the a top a, a class one cement will liberate four hundred and sixty eight kilograms of CO two. Okay, fly ash is a waste product, so if you take cement substitution and you substitute cement with fly ash, you probably take that number down to somewhere around 50 or 60 kilograms. So one fortieth roughly the amount of CO2 that cement has. So so they're not getting picked on. Believe me, the the steel industry is worse. So you look at a ton of steel, there's way more CO2, but you don't use a ton of steel relative to cement. It's just it, it's, it's, a, it's a numbers game and it's a volume game. Mm. There's this 4.2 billion tons of cement that are produced a year, 4.2 billion. I mean, people can't even rack their head around that. That, that's, that means there's, there's, there's probably around at least 30 billion tons of concrete that are made on this planet every year. It, it, it's a big number and it's a big impact. I mean, if the cement industry were a country, uh, they'd be bigger than France in terms of the amount of CO2 that, yeah, it, it, it's, it's massive, you just can't ignore it. it it's no, there. and, and it's an opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying uh, we should ignore it. But at the same time, we got to, I guess we got to be careful on how how we plan on to uh, uh, not I don't want to say the word attack. But uh, I guess to respond to that criticism. Because um, uh, I think technologies like this too. Because we're 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 so focused on the United States and what the United States is doing and 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 how much cement they 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 produce, how much concrete they produce, blah 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 blah. But they, uh, I think the what we got to look at too is that not only how we produce uh, concrete and cement here and in and, and, uh, the uh, I would say the Western European nations. But also look at the emerging countries that produce cement as well, because they're doing it. they're doing it old school. They're doing it like we did forty years ago. So if you look at where, so, so if you look at where 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 most of the CO2 emissions come from from our industry, it, it's not from us. Uh-huh. But we got to lead. We but the, like you said, we can't ignore it. We got to lead the way. And I think what what we're what what we're doing is. Uh, and you can correct me, Alex, I don't feel like we're helping those folks out, those emerging countries uh, that use concrete, because I read something crazy. And I don't know if you've seen this as well, but uh, China uh, used as much concrete in three years that took the United States using 100 years. Uh, that was like uh, uh, 17, 18, 19, I think it was those those booming years for China. And they just were off the chart. As far as our producing cement, and guess what? Their their energy technology is forty years behind us. They are not using anything close to us. Uh, as far as uh, you know, um, they use way much, uh, w- way more coal and things like that than we do. Um, so helping those folks out see the light, I think, is something we need to make an effort as well.
1: But, uh, Correct general. Okay, I actually think we are already helping because the, the reason people look to the US is because this is a country of solution providers. And, and we're already providing some of the solutions to the problems. Um, you know, the, the the, most efficient cement plants in the world are in the US. I mean, have a look. So uh, wholesome, got a plant, St. Genevieve, uh technology marvel. I think that plant has maybe two hundred and thirty six people. A plant that puts out the same production in India has got almost ten thousand mm-hmm. people. So, so mm-hmm. people look to America to provide solutions, and and this is honestly, you know, it's part of why this kind of company even exists. Is because the startup infrastructure and ecosystem, and the way we integrate with uh, academia, and it, it 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 we get facilitated in this country. Um, just anecdotally, it's kind of interesting. How, how many tons of cement in in the US do? What do you think we produce a year? I have no idea. It's around. It's around. Call it a hundred million, hundred million tons uh, in the US. That's that's production with imports and stuff. I think it's closer to 110, 112 cement. Right? Um, how much in China?
0: It's it's got to be uh, it's got to be uh, my I don't know, but I would guess tens times that, ten times
1: that. Yeah, twenty I mean, times that. Yeah. It's 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 a, yeah. It's two two point seven billion yeah. tons. India, interesting enough, it's probably around eight hundred million tons, so probably eight times more cement. But if you have a look at the economy and you have a look at, so so one of the interesting metrics is is where does the cement go, right? So in the U.S., seventy five to eighty percent of the cement goes to ready mix, right? About, I think seven or eight percent goes to precast, and then there's soil stabilization, all those kind of things, but. In India it's the opposite, right? Most of their cement sales are in bags, right? Not bulk. Mm-hmm. So, so a totally, totally different way things are done. Um, but interestingly enough, um, people always argue about the quality and, and, you know, they, at the end of the day, what's really important with cement is bang for your, my, my buck, right? So for a pound of cement, how many PSR am I going to get? That, that's, that's an important metric right, from a performance p- perspective. Um, and, and so there's always questions around that and, and how good, relatively speaking, some cements are uh, com- comparatively to others and how consistent they are. Uh, but I was actually at a, I was at a conference uh, in Dubai in September when one of the guys from an Indian operation actually presented. And their cement that they've, they've had tested through on an international standard had less than 500 kilograms of CO2 per ton, which is... If, uh, basically, I think it was a, a type two. But I mean, that, you know, again, so so just trying to put things in perspective. These folks are, are catching up, and they're catching up really quickly. Uh, but your points are really important. One, you, you got to remember that cement consumption is critical for for welfare and for well-being. Mm-hmm. If you think of infrastructure, whether it's a sewage plant or stormwater pipes or you know hospitals, these aren't Steel structures, right? These are concrete structures. These are these are uh, cost-effective infrastructure that comes as a result of, of the product that we're involved with. And all these developing countries have got, well, the two big ones, have got far bigger populations in the US, uh, but the GDP per capita is way less. But the way out of poverty is by investing in these kind of technologies that extend life, that extend quality of life, and and they need concrete. They are going to need concrete and you know the, the reality is this number is only going to get bigger it's not going to get smaller so so what, what what we're doing is saying right today what we can do is we can help by using less cement and we, we know that we can already help people use their cement and, and if, if there's substitutes available whether it's flash or slag we can help people incorporate that more and reduce the cement to an even and lower lower extent um, but I don't know what the future looks like. I mean, we're already starting to play with other cement uh, substitutes. We 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 signed an agreement recently with a, a provider that's going to give us access to a, a different uh, cement substitute. Um, it's a little bit expensive at the moment, but once these things start getting manufactured at scale, it's going to be really interesting because I, I can see, I can see in maybe five or ten years' time some of these products that we actually start seeing CO2 being consumed in the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. If, if you get a chance, there's actually a really interesting block company. It's called Carbon Built. And and these guys actually inject the block with CO2 and it absorbs the CO2 at, at, at a pretty significant scale. Like, I mean, in some of these blocks, there's like half a pound of that block is actually CO2 that's being captured. Um, and, and look, I don't know, if it, I don't know if we can do that at scale at ReadyMix. Um, the technologies that are there at the moment, aren't, aren't doing removal at that kind of scale. But it's it's interesting. This stuff's coming and it's coming quickly. And the other thing is, there's there's economic value in this for the producer as well. We there, there really should be a green premium because there truly is a cost of carbon. Um, you know, carbon removal credits right now, the cheapest ones I've seen are two hundred and sixty dollars a ton to remove CO two you know, the, the avoidance, that's a lot less. You know, if if you're on a regulated market, you can, I think you, California is close to $30 a ton. Europe on avoidance is a little over 80 euro. So there's some, there's definitely economic opportunity if people start thinking about this. And, and concrete producers need to think about, hey, what's a green premium we could be charging? Because they should be recovering in this. The, the, the technology is giving people benefit. It's, it's using less CO2. Why not get rewarded for that? Yeah
0: yeah I could talk to you for another two hours about carbon <laughs> credits I heard something very actually interesting <laughs> yesterday but if if you don't mind I'm gonna reach back out to you and, and get you back on the podcast but for but for today I think that's a good place to a good introduction to concrete AI I appreciate your time today Alex if folks want to reach out to you and learn uh, learn more about you and concrete. AI what's the best way just contact
1: concrete.ai
0: yeah. And uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, put the link in the uh, show notes when we uh, put this thing out. Um, and uh, Alex, I appreciate your time. I'm excited to see what this is. Anytime. Um, I, like I said, there's much more I want to talk to you about, but I uh, want to be uh, uh, short on your time. So appreciate it, Alex. Oh, appreciate it.
1: You're all the best I guess that
0: Thank you for joining us for another Concrete Logic Podcast episode. If you got some value out of this or you enjoyed it, please share it with others. And if you could take a moment and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app, I would appreciate it. We will uh, catch you on the next episode. And now Mike Dunton's going to take us out. Thanks. Ring, ring that alarm
2: alarm couple hours before the sun comes up, open up the side, put some diesel in the lights and wait till the trucks roll up, and this ain't how most folks live their lives, dripping in sweat, working overtime, but while they're tying their ties for their nine to fives, we're out here changing these skylines. Days and nights Working hard to get that job done